Christ. Amen. We're continuing to walk through this series developed by Andy Stanley on resolutions. Which got me to thinking, I, I bet Jesus never had a New Year's resolution. What would he do, right? He'd be like, I resolved to be more like me, right? <laughs> I'm going to do what, exactly what I did last year. That's what I'm going to do. That's what Jesus' New Year's resolutions would be like. But ours are different, right? Because we, all of us, have room for growth, have room for improvement, have room to, to move forward as we uh, follow Jesus. But this series on resolutions is different from resolutions than you've ever thought of before because we, we have a, a different question to ask. See, a lot of resolutions focus on how can I make me better? So I'm going to eat healthier, and I'm going to get that, that credit card taken care of, and I'm going to do better in my business, and I'm going to do all these resolutions that we have. And they're good. They're great resolutions. But Jesus asks a completely different question. And the question he invites us to ask today is this. What needs to be done around me? Because I guarantee every single one of you has someone in your life who asked that question and then helped you out. Maybe as a kid, growing up, maybe a certain stage of your life, someone said, I'll, I'm going to step in and help that person out. And you were blessed because someone asked that question. What needs to be done around you? And so we're going to walk through that question today and specifically tackle it this way. How do you know? How do you know what should be done around you? Because there's a challenge here because lots of things need to be done around you every single day. Some of you don't even turn on the news because you're like, ah, the news, it's just bad. It's always bad. They never report anything good. I guess if they did, it'd be kind of boring, right? You know? The, the Queen's Jewels were not stolen last night. In other news, the polar bear in the zoo is still alive. And that's, you know, it'd be like, it's not that important, right? But the news is always bad. And so every day, you encounter needs. And they're all around you. It's in our world, it's in our nation, it's in this community. You see needs. And I think, for, at least for me, you kind of get desensitized to it. Like, oh man, that's, that's bad. Oh, that's bad. Oh, well, that's bad. But there's always something. There's always one thing that just cuts. Maybe you hear about it, and, and you maybe you get mad. It's okay to get mad at what God considers evil and unjust and not right. Maybe you get mad about something. Maybe you get sad. You hear it, and just, it breaks your heart. Or maybe you hear it, and you just can't stop thinking about it. You're eating lunch, and it pops up in your head again. You go, down, you go to bed and it pops in your head again. You think about where you're falling asleep because it's that one thing, that one need that breaks your heart. And that's an area where God is inviting you to step in. Or maybe to put it better, to step out of the comfort zone and step in to the need. I have a friend of mine 
And this friend um, uh, just was a, a huge influence on my life when I was in high school. And uh, he, he was known for sharing the love and the grace of God. Whenever he spoke, just God's grace was evident. And the only person who showed that more than him was his wife, who also was my sixth grade teacher, Mrs. Killian. Uh, but, but her husband, Ken, just had tons of health issues. And he passed away at a pretty young age. And they had three boys who were college age at the time when he died. And when they had a service, it was a large church in Southern California, and the whole front of the church was filled with flowers. The church was absolutely packed. And at the end of the service, the family gathered some of the flowers. They picked up a big thing of flowers, and they walked out with it. And other family members helped them, which was kind of odd. You don't usually see that in a funeral service, but that's what they did. And then they had like a receiving line where they greeted all the guests. And it took forever to get through this line because the place was packed. And when I got to see them, I realized why it was taking forever. It was because um, the family had to comfort the people who came for the funeral. It wasn't people who came to the funeral trying to comfort the family. It was the other way around. And they were handing out flowers to people. So they went the flowers to the way. So they, they were giving the flowers out. And they were comforting people who were so sad. Because people were lining up to remember God's grace in this person's life. So I have this question for you. At the end of your life, what would you like people to line up to thank you for? At the end of your life, what would you like people just to line up to thank you for? Outside of family. Outside of family. What would you like people to line up and say, if it wasn't for you, this would never have happened in my life? Because as you read the news, you watch the news, and, and all that stuff, there are just needs everywhere. And you can't change the world. You can't. There's a some, certain few who can. Martin Luther King Jr., we, we thank God for him, changed the world. The vast majority of us can't change the world. But you can change one person's world. What would you like people to line up to thank you for at the end of your life? And here's the problem it's going to require something of you. As some of you are sitting here listening to this message, you're like, I know the need, I know it breaks my heart, and I'm not going to say it out loud, because if I say it out loud, there might be someone else who hears me and says, oh, me too, let's work on that together. Like, that's the last thing I want to happen. Because at our core, in our nature, most of us, we are life preservers. We, we like to preserve our lives. And we're very good at preserving our own life. We buy life insurance. We get the health insurance. We get the car with the airbags. Because I want to preserve this life. We talk about things like my money and my time as if we could own time. We are life preservers. And, and to, to step out is going to cost you some life. 
It's going to cost something of you. It's going to cost some missed opportunities. It's going to cost some time. It's going to cost some money. It's going to cost some resources. It's going to cost a part of your life. And that's scary. It's hard. And there's a tension there. And so in our gospel reading for today, Jesus addresses that tension. He says it like this in Luke chapter 14. It says, large crowds are traveling with Jesus and turning to them, he said, if anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their very own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. And so Jesus is engaging in hyperbole here. He doesn't really want you to hate your, your folks and your spouse. Don't, don't, you don't have to hate them, right? But what he is saying is this. There are authorities in your life. Maybe mom or dad, spouse, kids, boss, whatever it is. There are authorities in your life, yourself. And you have to decide who's going to call the shots. You have to decide who's going to be in charge. And the essence of following Jesus is not self-improvement. It's self-denial. That's the essence of following Jesus. And it says in the text that Jesus turned to the crowds, but it's almost like he turns on the crowds. And here the crowds are following Jesus because Jesus, he, he gives free food, he healed the mother-in-law, maybe not the mother-in-law, but he healed my sister, right? And you're like, this Jesus is awesome. Jesus is great. And Jesus says, okay, you can, you can be part of the crowd and that's fine. But if you want to go further, if you want to see what I really have in store for you, then you have to decide who's going to call the shots in your life. And it's hard. Because we're by nature self life preservers. And here's the key. Jesus is not trying to take something good away from you. But rather, he's trying to give you his best. You hear that image of the story of raccoons. And they say, never done it. They say, if you want to catch a raccoon, take something shiny and put it in a bottle. And the raccoon will reach their paw into the bottle and they'll grab that shiny thing and they'll try to pull their hand out, but they can't because when you crack, clench your fist, it makes it bigger. You can't get it out of the bottle. And the raccoon is stuck. And that's how we live our lives. We reach in the bottle, we hold on to that one thing that we really like. It's nice and shiny and pretty. It's so good. And Jesus is saying, let go i got something better for you. Let go. Jesus talks about it again in Mark chapter 8. Then he called the crowd to him along with his disciples and he said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and forfeit their soul? As long as, as I am all about me, I can't be about anyone else. 
As long as my job is just to get me some money for me, as long as the people around me are just the tools I use to, to make me feel better or to be better, and I can't be about anyone else. And so the essence of the text is this. Whoever devotes themselves to themselves will have nothing but themselves to show for themselves. That's what Jesus is saying. Whoever devotes themselves to themselves will have nothing but themselves to show for themselves. And my friends, you are more than that. You are created more than for that. You're more than a resolution. You're more than a body or a balance sheet. God created you for a purpose. For his purposes. And there are a lot of good purposes in this world. There are a lot of good cause causes. There are a lot of good things to do and to be about. But the cool thing about following Jesus is that those purposes become eternal. And the results become eternal. And the blessings become eternal. Because Jesus is eternal. And he died and rose for you. To give you life. Now, today, and always. And so... It really doesn't matter how successful or unsuccessful you are in life because eventually you're going to hit a point where you say, does any of this really matter? And Jesus invites you to do something that matters. You can have everything and be absolutely empty. Or you can empty yourself and be completely full what Jesus means when he talks about having abundant life or life to the full. It's life that he offers to you. And the hard thing is for life preservers, right? We have to give life to get his life. And that's what he does for you. Jesus Christ, he, he, he has life. But something breaks his heart and what breaks God's heart is, is you. He saw us living uh, without hope, without joy, without purpose. And so he comes and dies upon a cross for your sin and for mine. Rises from the grave to give you life. Today and every day. And then he says, follow me. He says, step out of that, that comfort zone. And where Jesus is calling you is always just past your comfort zone. And when you're there, it feels really scary. It feels like you might be even out of control. And it feels like you're giving up life. But that's where Jesus invites you to live, right on the edge. I saw a video the other day that kind of reminded me of this, this theme, of this idea. And I wanted to share it with you. And here it is. I think this is going to be quite exciting. I am as nervous. As never before. Ooh, I'm nervous. Are we good to go? Okay, ready? Yeah. Ready? All right, let's go. Whoa, 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 whoa. Pin it. Slippery. So slippery. <laughs> 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 
tried to pass him there, which is not a good idea. Jesus invites you out of your comfort zone. He's not inviting you to break your neck. You're like, you don't have to do that. But when you step out of your comfort zone, it's scary. It's exciting. It's incredible. And you give a little bit of yourself. So I'm going to share it with you what, what happened yesterday. I don't have the permission to share it. It was on Facebook, so I guess it's kind of public knowledge. So I guess I can, but I'll apologize later. So, um, um, as we talked about, Kelly Rose is in the hospital. We also mentioned the prayers that, that Cheryl Goldberg's dad passed away. And uh, he lived in, in Fruta. So Cheryl's in Fruta with her mom right now. And so Kelly put on Facebook what was going on with her and, and the baby. And Cheryl wrote to her on Facebook and said, I'm here in Fruta. Would you like me to come visit you? And as I read that, I thought, that's it. That's the church in action. That, that's community. That God has called us to be and to do to, to, for each other and for this community. Because here's Cheryl. And who could blame her if Cheryl said, well, that's really sad. But you know what? I'm going through something pretty sad myself right now. And, and I need some, just some time for me. And the last thing I need to do is go back to that hospital. And that's what she does. She goes a little bit past her comfort zone. She goes back in that hospital to see someone who's there to visit them. That's what we're talking about here today. And so I want to invite you to, to think about, to ponder these three questions this week. And the first one is this. What breaks your heart? We talked about that last Sunday, but it's a huge question. So I want to ask it again because it's probably going to take some time to think about it. What breaks your heart? 
And for some of you, nothing's breaking your heart right now. Because you've been overwhelmed with all the needs and all the news. You're like, I just kind of block it off because I just got to focus on me right now. But I want to ask you just to open it up a little bit. For some of you, you, you know it breaks your heart. But you're like, I know it's going to cost. It's going to cost some life. I'm not quite there yet. That's okay. But just ponder, what breaks your heart? And the second question is this. Who's already doing something about it? You don't have to reinvent the wheel. Chances are, if something breaks your heart, it broke someone else's heart too. And something's being done about it. Who is doing something about it? Who's doing something about it? Third key question is this. How can you help? How can you help? I want to invite you. Now, I want to challenge you to pray over those three questions this week. What breaks your heart? Who's doing something about it? How can you help? It's going to cost some life. It's going to cost some life. That's okay. That's okay. It's okay because Jesus gave his life for you. And you have eternity in your hands because of what Christ has given to you. So costing some life, that's all right. But I want to challenge you to pray over those three questions this week. I want to challenge you to write them down in your bulletin. Take the bulletin home with you. All right, don't, don't turn the bulletin back in. Just take it home with you. All right? And write down those three questions. What breaks your heart? Who's doing something about it? And how can you help? Maybe simple. Oh, I like that idea. Take a picture of the screen. Perfect. Take a picture of the screen. Go for it. That's a great idea. Love it. What breaks your heart? Who's doing something about it? How can you help? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you that your heart was broken over us. We thank you, Lord, that you gave up not just a little piece of your life, Lord. You gave up your life for us. And, Lord, so we're asking this, these questions this week. We pray, Lord, that you would reveal just one thing. Not five things, not, not even two things, Lord. Just one thing. It breaks our heart. And it probably breaks our heart because it feels so overwhelming. And we feel so helpless in the face of it. And so, Lord, we ask that you guide our quest to see who's doing something about it and how we can help. So, Lord, I'm praying for all my friends here today. I pray, Lord, that they would wrestle with you this week. pray, Lord, that they would struggle with you this week. I pray, Lord, that they would just ask that question, Lord God, breaks my heart. And that you reveal the, that answer. And that it would drive, it would compel, 
See what we're doing? Let's do something about it. Lord, we're praying this not because we have to, not because we even need to, Lord God, but because we want the life that you have to offer. We want all of everything that you have to give Jesus. And we, we know we can't receive it until we give up a little bit of our own lives. And so we pray this for your glory and for our joy. Amen. May the peace of Christ, which passes all understanding, may guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus, our Lord, for life everlasting.